0: There's four things, basically, I believe, that the Lord impressed me with, that if every believer will do, they will experience change in their lives. And this is one of them. It's the declaration, it is the speaking forth of God's Word on a consistent basis. Your everyday words. Not just the words that you speak in church, not just the words that uh, you speak around other believers, but those words that you speak in private. Those things that you say when the pressure is on. Those yeah. words that you say when it's midnight. Yeah. And those words are extremely important. Yeah. Because in fact, words do make us or break us. Yeah. Words can bring blessing into our lives or they can bring cursing. So what I've done is I've ordered a couple hundred books by Charles Caps called God's Creative Power. And at the end of this service, if you don't have a copy, we want to give one copy of that per family because I am so stirred up right now on not only me reigniting the concept and the principles that I've learned way back in the 70s of speaking faith-filled words, but for those of you who are not speaking the Word, my desire is that you rise up and start declaring what God said about you. And as you declare what God said about you, you will see your life change. In James, in chapter uh, 3, notice with me in verses 1 through 3, from the book of James, we will see in this uh, set of scriptures that we're looking at is that your tongue is to your life what your steering wheel is to your car. Your tongue to your life is what your steering wheel is to your car. He said, my brethren, be not many masters knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all, if any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, now don't let that word perfect throw you, means complete, mature, or developed, and is able also to bridle the whole body. The NIV says, is able to keep their whole body in check. I wonder if our body responds to God's word. Evidently it does. He said in verse 3, Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. And then he says, Look at also the ships, which they be so great. They're driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor or the captain chooses or listeth. Now many of you have been on a cruise, and you've been on some of those great, big, gigantic cruise ships... If that cruise ship gets off course and it needs to make an adjustment, the captain is then responsible to turn the ship from off course to get it back on course. And if they've been off course far enough and long enough, sometimes it's a very, very big turn that needs to be made. Now, that turn doesn't mean that the ship is going to turn around completely or immediately. It takes time. Now, in the ship of your life, if you will, if you've got not off course, I've got good news for you. Jesus can get you back on course. But what you've got to do is take the steering wheel of your life and begin to turn what you've been talking about. Turn what you've been speaking negatively concerning your life, concerning your body, concerning your employment, concerning your relatives. Turn that and change the way you believe, change the way you think and change the way you talk. And eventually, the ship of your life will turn completely around and will head in the right direction. So, the importance of speaking the Word of God. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies to God as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto Him. Have you ever thought about it, that your tongue is a part of your body? So in presenting your body to God, we need to bring our tongue, if you will, or our words in subjection to his words. And then he said in verse two, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed or changed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is that good, acceptable and perfect will of God. I love the message. He says it this way. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. How many of you know God doesn't want us to be conformed to this world? Amen? How many of you know the world thinks negatively? The world speaks negatively. But we have been taken out of the world and brought into the kingdom of God. Even though we're living in the world, we're not of the world. We have someone in us greater than he that is in the world. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And when you got born again and brought out of darkness into marvelous light, he gave you 66 books of words of life. Words for you to think on, words for you to meditate on, words for you to speak. And as you speak God's Word consistently, you're learning a new language. How many of you have learned a second language? Maybe Espanol, or German, or French. You know French, don't you, Alice? How many of you know Hebrew? Okay, some of you learned some new languages. Well, you know what? That can be challenging. And that is a learning process. And so it is learning to speak the language now of the redeemed takes time. Why? Because we have been programmed so negatively in our lives to speak what we think, speak what we feel, speak what we see, speak what grandma said, speak what mom said, speak what dad said. But all the time, God is saying, come on, son, come on, daughter, get into the book, learn the language of the redeemed, and start speaking words of life, words of health, words of redemption, and words of strength. Amen. The Bible says... Let the redeemed of the Lord say so or declare so. Amen. Don't talk about how scared you are. Because God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but a power and love and of a sound mind. Now, every one of us in our lives will be tempted to be fearful. But there's an answer to that. Did you know that you can speak to fear? Here's what you do. Just call fear out. And say, you false spirit of fear, I resist you in Jesus' name. We sang about that name. If doubt comes, just say to doubt, doubt, I speak to you. I resist you in the name of Jesus. And you know what that is doing? That is casting down imaginations. And every high thing that would exalt itself against the word of God. And as you speak God's word, you are bringing that thought captive into the obedience of Jesus Christ. Thank God for the privilege of speaking faith-filled words. Have you ever stopped to think about it? That there is health and there is healing in your tongue? Let me show you what I mean. Look at Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18. Proverbs, the 12th chapter, the 18th verse. Father, we thank you. For your word today, as it goes forth, Lord, let it be rich in our hearts. And may we not just be hearers of your word, but doers of it in Jesus' name. Amen. Notice with me in Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 18. And I'd like to look at it in the King James Version. Uh, It says this in the King James. There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue... Of the wise is health the tongue of the wise Do you consider yourself to be a wise person or a fool <laughs> some of you are not so sure <laughs> now we consider ourselves to be wise amen it says here that the tongue of the wise is health one translation says that the tongue of the wise brings healing Not going to have health unless you learn to talk health. We shouldn't be talking sickness or disease. We should be talking health, talking healing. I read this in a book the other day, and I want to just read it to you. It's from Reader's Digest, and it says, Patient Knows Best. It says this, a study of more than 2,800 men and women, 65 and older found that those who rate their health poor are four to five times more likely to die in the next four years than those who rate their health excellent. This was even the case, even if examinations show that the respondents to be in comparable health. It goes on to say these findings, supported by a review of five other large studies, totaling, now notice, 23,000 people. They reached the same conclusions. This was according to a sociologist at Rutgers University and a person from Yale University School of Medicine. So the bottom line is this, is people that have an image of themselves of being in poor health will talk poor health. We could call it poor mouthing. Talking about our aches and talking about our pains. And oftentimes people are not aware of what they're doing, but they're programming their lives for defeat instead of programming their lives for victory. Amen. There is enough of a challenge that we have going on in this world just by virtue of living in this world. We don't want to shoot ourselves with our own weapon. We don't want to cut ourselves with our own sword. Amen. And so I'm encouraging you today to talk health to speak health. If you have high blood pressure, yes, by all means, do what you need to do in the natural realm. Eat right. Exercise. Do what your doctors say to do. If you need medication for high blood pressure, by all means, take your medication. But don't let that medication trump God's medication. You see, we have a higher doctor and a higher physician than natural physicians. We thank God for natural physicians, but our eyes are not on natural physicians. Our eyes are on the great physician. His name is Jehovah Rapha. He is the Lord that healeth us. And another thing is this. You cannot violate natural laws And think you're going to trust God's word and speak God's word and overcome situations like that by being a slouch and by being lazy and by being loose in your diet. And that went over just like a lead balloon. And it's the same with money. The Bible says that my God shall supply half your need. No, thank God. My God shall supply all you need and he'll do it according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. But that is not an excuse for us to go out and charge our credit cards to the limit. And when the bills come and they call you on the phone and say, where's the money? We say, well, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That's a fool going somewhere to be foolish. No, you need to do what you can in the natural. If you will do what you can in the natural, God will meet you right where you're at. And if you can apply your lives to faith-filled words, he will see to it that you overcome your debt and you get into the land of debt freedom and that you get to a place where you can be a blessing. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, talk health, would you? Hallelujah. Never talk failure. I don't believe in failure I believe in success never talk defeat I don't believe in defeat even though the Warriors lost last night I'm already looking forward to next year amen I'm not talking about how the Clippers beat them by five points in the seventh game I'm talking about wait till next year and that's the way you got to be where Satan is concerned When doors close on you and people say, I'm sorry, we've given the job to another person, you just rise up in your spirit and say, glory to God, God's got something better for me. My heart is established. My heart is fixed. I'm trusting in Him. And I can hardly wait till tomorrow morning because tomorrow morning, His mercies are new. His hope is new. I'm going to make it through. You know, listen, guys, if God be for you, who can be again you? And since God is for you, what difference does it make who might be again you? Amen. I don't talk about all what the devil's doing. I'm not living on that side of the street. I'm not talking about how bad it is in America. I'm praying about the possibilities for America. I'm not talking about how dead the church is in the body of Christ. I'm talking about an awakening. I'm praying for rain coming down in the time of the latter rain. I'm not talking about nothing happening. I'm looking for what's about to happen and what's already happened. Don't talk about all that the devil's done and all that the devil's doing. Thank God we've got the greater one on the inside of us. Try this on for size right now. Say it with me real strong. Greater Greater is he he that is in me me than he he that is is in the world. Don't talk about all your woes, your worries, your anxieties, and your concerns. Don't talk just like everybody else does. You know what? I found out in the Word of God that God loves me so much that I don't have to worry. I found out a verse of Scripture in 1 Peter 5, 7, where he told me to cast or to throw all my cares on him. You know what all means in the Greek? Means all. (laughs) That means there ain't no more. So cast all your cares on him. Amen. Now, why is that? Because he cares for you. He loves you. He doesn't want you carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders. He wants you just to put it into his hands, and then when worry knocks on the door of your soul, you just say, in the name of Jesus, he's got it. I don't. Talk to him about it, Mr. Devil. I'm carefree. You know, some people get delivered from different things as Christians. They get delivered, uh, you know, from from, uh, smoking maybe cigarettes, or they get delivered from drug addiction, or they get delivered pornography. But, you know, I just wish that Christians would get rid of the biggest sin of all, the sin of worry. How many of you know that worry will kill you? There's a lot of people in the grave today because of worry. Well, what's what's to worry about? What do people worry about? They worry about their circumstances. They worry about tomorrow. They worry about the things that they face. I've been tempted to worry. I'll be honest with you. I've been tempted to worry about tomorrow. I've been tempted to worry about things I know that I faced and face. But thank God, I remembered the Word of God. And the Word of God says, Mark, Son, glory to God. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. No sense of you worrying. Just give it to me and let God be God. Amen? Now, notice this verse of Scripture. Let's look over at 1 John 4, 4. We're not going to get through all the notes today, so we might as well just enjoy the Word. Amen? Amen? Look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. Let's eat this. Let's feed on this. 1 John 4, 4. This ought to be a part of your confession every day. You are of God, little children, and are about to overcome them. No, he's talking about devils, demons, and evil spirits. You've already overcome them. Why? Because Jesus has already overcome them. Read the rest with me. Ready, read. Go ahead. Because. Try it with just a little bit more enthusiasm. All right? Come on now. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in Well? Let's ask ourselves, who's in the world? Well, the devil's in the world. But thank God we're not afraid of him. You know what else is in the world? Sin's in the world. But thank God the greater one's in me. So we don't have to be afraid we're going to fall into sin. Why? Because he's able to keep us from falling. Look over at Romans chapter 6, verse 14. Here's a great verse of Scripture. Now, if you're tempted... To fall into a certain area, and maybe you have fallen into this this certain area, time and time and time again. Listen, I want to encourage you, the blood of Jesus is stronger than that. And the Word says, if you confess your sins, He's faithful and just to forgive you your sins, and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And another thing I want to encourage you about is this, God's able to keep you. God's able to keep you from falling and this ought to be a part of our confession every day of our lives look at romans 6:14 it says for sin shall not have dominion over me for i am not under the law but i'm under grace what is that saying to us that's saying sin's going to come sin's gonna knock on the door but jesus took sin and spoiled principalities and powers and therefore it does not have dominion over you Any more, any day, any month, any year. Say it with me. Sin Sin. has no dominion over me. So there's sin in the world, but greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Now, what else is out there in the world? Is there trouble in the world? Well, certainly there's trouble out there in the world. Look at John 16 and verse 33. Notice this verse of Scripture. John 16, verse 33. Notice this. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have, what? In the world you shall have trouble. Or, in the world you shall face tribulation. In the world you shall face trials. Right? In the world you shall face tests. Is there anyone that's never faced a trial before? I was going to have an altar call for liars. No, when you become a Christian, it isn't a cure-all for no more trouble. When you become a Christian, trouble seems to knock on your door all the more. But notice with me, he encourages us, but he says, Now, I'm telling you something, that you have peace. He says, In the world, you're going to face trouble. But be of good cheer. Yeah. Amen. Why, Jesus? Because I've already overcome the world. Yeah. What else is in the world? There's adverse circumstances in the world. Amen? Seeming impossibilities out there in the world. But thank God, you're not of the world. Thank God, you are in Christ Jesus. And Christ Jesus is in you. Here's what our attitude should be, and I wrote this down. My spiritual father, Dad Hagen, has been with the Lord since 2003. And one thing about Dad Hagan was, is he learned as a young man to fight the good fight of faith. He learned to stand in the face of seemingly impossible circumstances and laugh right at the devil. He learned that even though there would be things coming his way, that if he learned to put the greater one to work for him, he would always overcome. Now listen to this statement. This is good. He said, if I don't make it over you, I'll make it around you. If I don't make it around you, I'll make it under you. And if I don't make it under you, I'll make it through you. Because the greater one is in me. Yeah, yeah. Now for years, for years, faith has been taught in the church. And people have been encouraged to believe. To believe. And people have been encouraged to take God's Word and, and, and believe it. But there's not been a whole lot of teaching. I'm talking about in the body of Christ, worldwide and generally. There's not been a lot of teaching along the importance of words. Say it with me. Words, faith-filled words, dominate the laws of sin and death. Listen to these statements. Words carry the power of life and death. Death and life, Proverbs eighteen twenty one says, are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. In Deuteronomy, he said this. He said, I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And then he said, therefore, choose life. Is it our choice whether we're going to have life or death? Is it our choice whether we're going to experience blessing or cursing? According to the word of God, it is. Because he says, I've said it before you. In other words, here it is. Life here, death here, blessing here, cursing there. And then he says, therefore, choose life. Now, with that thought in mind, think of this. He said the death and life are in the power of what? The The tongue. You can choose to speak words of life daily. You can choose to speak words of blessing daily. Or you can make the choice to speak words of death and to speak words of cursing. Amen. But the word of God says, look, it's your choice. It's your decision. I'm encouraging you to choose life. And I just dropped by this morning to encourage you to speak words of life, speak words of faith, speak words of health, speak words of joy. For the joy of the Lord, it is our strength. Now look over at Romans chapter 10 and notice with me in verses 8 to 10. We've been encouraged to believe But we also need to be encouraged to speak. There is the heart and mouth connection that we'll see in Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through 10. Notice that. He said, But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Now notice verse 9. Then if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus... And believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, what will happen? Notice with me what it doesn't say. It says that if thou... No, don't. Let's, let's look at verse 9. It does not say that if thou shalt think with thy mind, the Lord Jesus, and believe in thy heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Christianity is called the great confession. You've got to align your words with what you believe in your heart. Now, notice with me in verse 10. It says here, For with the heart man believeth unto right standing with God, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now, let me ask you a question. Are you going to be saved simply by believing? No. No. You've got to add your testimony to what you believe. You've got to add your confession to what you believe. That's right. The Word of God says that man believes with his heart. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. You see, if you want to get unto salvation, you've got to get your heart and your mouth hooked up together. You've got to get your heart and your mouth engaged. You've got to get your heart and your mouth in alignment with what you believe. And when you believe in your heart, without any doubt, that Jesus died for your sins, that he was raised from the dead, and that now he's seated at the right hand of the Father, and you confess that with your mouth, it will bring you unto salvation. Amen. Now, that word salvation, notice that word salvation. That word salvation does not just mean salvation from your sins. That word salvation means deliverance from temporal evils. That word salvation is an all-inclusive word. It means deliverance. It means wholeness. It means prosperity. It means to be totally well in your spirit, in your soul, and in your body. Amen? See, salvation for the most part in the body of Christ... People have taught and talked about it being salvation from sin, but thank God there's salvation from sickness and disease. You know what? there's else there's salvation from? There's salvation from accidents. there's salvation from dying young. You know what else there's salvation from? There's salvation from being broke, busted and disgusted. There's salvation from being poor. Come on, somebody. Not only that, but there is salvation from having an unsound mind. There is salvation from you falling apart. There is salvation for every area of your life. The Bible says you take the word of God and you believe it in your heart. And you confess the scriptures with your mouth. And it will bring you unto not only salvation from sin, but salvation from disease. Salvation from poverty. Salvation from an unsound mind. But if you want to get unto that place, I want to get unto some things. I'm not going to be able to get unto some things without aligning my heart and my mouth up with the Word of God and learning the language of the redeemed. I want to get unto some things. And if I want to get unto some things, I believe it with my heart. I confess it with my mouth. I live a godly life. Amen. I don't sleep around. Amen. I don't steal money from the church. I don't watch pornography. I live a pure, holy life. And so I am in position to receive. My works do not put me in position, His grace puts me in position. But if I live like a scoundrel, it will short circuit the grace of God in my life. Amen. With the heart. With the heart, with the heart, man believeth. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Say this with me. Faith Faith is always expressed in words. Faith 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 must must be released in words through your mouth. Now look with me at Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. Joshua, the first chapter. We're working on something here today. Wish I had another hour or two. But I don't. But you could be here in the next service. Joshua 1.8. These are directions to Joshua because Moses had just died. Moses, the leader of the children of Israel, has just passed away. And the torch of leadership, then, is being passed on to Joshua. Okay? And so God is giving him several instructions. One of the instructions he's telling Joshua is to be strong. In other words, be strong in me, not in yourself. And if you will be strong in me and trust me and put me first place, you will lead the children of Israel just as Moses led them. And here's another instruction that he gave Joshua. He said, now this book of the law, we could say it in New Testament terminology, the word of God shall not depart out of what? But thou shalt meditate therein, how often? Amen. Meditate therein day and night. Now I looked up the word meditate, and the word meditate in the Hebrew means an active recitation or a respeaking of God's word. In other words, Joshua, as you look at the law, what I want you to do is take the law and then I want you to recite it. I want you to speak it. I want you to let that word dwell in you richly and let that word become a part of your life. And he's saying the same thing to New Testament Christians. He's saying, I will keep you in perfect peace if you'll keep my mind stayed on you. He's saying, finally, brethren, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are pure, whatever things are of good report, whatever things are praiseworthy, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. So here's what you do in the New Testament as a covenant brother in Christ. You take this perfect law of liberty and you look in it. And you see how his word applies to your situation. And then just like Joshua did... You begin to recite it. The Bible says in one translation where it says meditate. It says thou shalt talk to thyself. Thou shalt talk to thyself. I don't know about you. But this self needs a good talking to sometimes. There are times where I need to pull myself up. Amen. And say now Mark. You're not going to talk that way. You're not going to act that way. You're going to talk and act the way God wants you to talk. and yeah, act." So a respeaking of God's Word. Yeah. Anybody can do this. Yeah. Now, he goes on to say, when you do this, you'll begin to observe or to see some things. You'll begin to see and observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way, what? Wow. And thou shalt have what? Good, Good success. success. Now look at Psalms 1. Notice with me in Psalms 1. Psalms 1. Find scriptures that apply to your case. If you need healing, find scriptures on healing. If you need prosperity, find scriptures on prosperity. And meditate therein. Psalms 1 verses 1 through 3 said, Blessed is the man... "...that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful." I think that's interesting that he put that first place. Yes. And then in verse 2 he says this, "...but his delight is in the law of the Lord." We could say it this way, our delight is in the Word of God. On. And in his word, or in his law, does he do what? Meditate. He meditates day and night, or he talks to himself, or she talks to herself, or there is a continual active recitation or re-speaking of God's Word. That's how God's Word becomes a part of you. You train yourself. You school yourself to speak His Word and keep your heart in what you're saying. Don't just recite a bunch of stuff out of the top of your head, but let it dwell in you. And as you let it dwell in you, and as you speak it, it really becomes a part of you. And it really can change your life. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, or the Word of God, and in his law, does he do what? He meditates day and night. Now, notice the results of a person... Who actively speaks the word of God. And he shall be. And he shall be. I like that. Joshua said you'll have good success. Psalm says and you shall be. You shall be. The word will make you what you ought to be. And he shall be. Like a tree. Planted by rivers of water. That brings forth His fruit in His season, His leaf will not wither. And whatsoever He doeth shall prosper. Did you notice both in Joshua and Psalms, the word prosperity is used denoting success? The key to your success is believing God's Word in your heart, saying it with your mouth, and acting as if it were true every day of your life. And then lifting your hands and lifting your voice and thanking Him for His great and glorious goodness in your life. In closing, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews, the 13th chapter. Hebrews chapter 13 In verse five and verse six. He says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. Now here's the principle, for he hath said. Say that three times, for he has said. For he hath said. For he hath said. Okay, so what did he say? He said, I will never leave thee, or what? He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, notice verse 6. Here's a principle again. So that we may boldly say. For he has said, so that we may boldly say. Whatever he has said, I encourage you to be bold about what he said. So that we may boldly say. Say what? The Lord's my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. And here's the principle that I want you to get in closing today is this. Whatever he said, say the same thing. Amen. Whatever he said, yeah. find out what he said. And then say boldly yeah. what he has said. Yeah. Not arrogantly, amen, not pridefully, but humbly. Say, Lord, you said this about me. I believe that. And now I declare That I'm a new creation in Christ. Because he has said. By his stripes you were healed. You can boldly say. By his stripes you were healed. Because he has said. You have the mind of Christ. You can boldly say. You have the mind of Christ. In other words. Whatever he said. You say it. And say it consistently. And say it as a way of your life. A way of life. And it will change you forever. Amen. Amen.